Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode 149 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com/shek/shek. Seated to my immediate right, ready to break down the NFL draft and maybe a little Tim Tebow talk if we have time for it. Also want to talk about the Jason Collins news. That's the big story of the week. But, and we're both back rank, you and me, from New York City. Let's say hello to him. He's back seated to my immediate right. Adam Rank, what's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Wonderful time in New York City. Yeah, it was. Let's talk about that, but on the line right now, let's get right to it. Meat and potatoes style. This is what this guy, you've been watching him on NFL Network. You've been reading his work, NFL.com. I think he did uh, 128 mock drafts over the last uh, two or three months. He is the go-to guy when it comes to NFL Network, and really, uh, I think for all of society, is emerging as the star of uh, draft analysis. It's at Move the Sticks. Daniel Jeremiah, what's the poop, fella? I'll tell you what, Dave. Uh, Rank will understand this, but I'm, I'm still okay with talking draft. I haven't burned out on the draft, but I, as Rank knows from uh, seeing me around New York, I'm a little burned out on pizza after the week in New York. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry was... to hear that. What? Ha- yeah, I heard. I heard a little story there, DJ. What happened there? Well, Rank, why well, don't you tell your side of things? We are at a uh, famous original race. There's like third. There's three variations of Ray's Pizza, and this one was famous original Ray's on Seventh. And I was sitting in there with our producer for NFL.com/slash Fan Pass, Alex Gelhar, enjoying some famous original Ray's, really. And then we see, I see DJ coming to the counter to get his. So Who I, eight months ago, and just to set the scene in case you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Daniel Jeremiah's rise, eight months ago, he's nobody off the street. Right. We say, you know, this kid needs a break. Yeah. Let's bring him in on the podcast. We bring Let's him in. bring him into Studio 66. Part of the team. You know, he. You know, we let him uh, work some things out. You know, he he gets it together, and st- other people start to notice at the network and everywhere else. And now he's his, his face. You can't go three minutes of draft coverage without seeing it. All right, right. back to where you so were. So we're right. sitting there. Uh, we lock eyes. 
I give a wave, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm elevated a little bit too, way in the back of the store. And uh, I go, this will be a true litmus test of where we stand with DJ now, whether he comes back and joins us or if he takes his food and he, and he bounces. So uh, DJ completes his order, gets his food, he leaves. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, he came back. He came back and he joined us. Oh, he did. Yes, I felt pretty good about myself. That was the highlight. That might have been the highlight of my draft week. But, but, but Dave, the whole story is is that rank. I had to fill him in. It was my fourth day in a row of yeah. going to the same pizza place. Yes, uh, in the evening. That is, that's probably something wrong with me. Huh? No, no, no. It was. No. You know what? It's what pretty good. Do. And it's it's. You know what? I had a number of different pizza joints there. It was the greasy kind, like you would expect. The yeah, the of, big, the big slice that you fold in yeah. half, like Louie eats at the start of uh, the sitcom Louie. Very much. All right, DJ, let's get into it here. I know you have been talking to your blue in the face about it, but let's just go big picture. What everybody likes is those letter grades after a draft. Who gets your A's among the 32 teams? Well, Dave, first of all, the only thing I load more than a mock draft is the letter grade. Okay, well then, th- th- how do you how do you like to assess? Do well, here's, you... what, here's why I look at it. I, the way I look at a draft, I tweeted this out a little bit earlier, but when I look back on a draft, you know, you're not going to know right away. Nobody knows who had a good draft, what a bad draft. But when you look back on them, to me, my definition of a good draft is you get three solid starters. That you know, not just for year one, but they're going to be multi-year starters for your football team. You're not looking to replace them. That that's a really good draft. A great draft to me is if you got four starters. Uh, that are going to be long-term starters you're not looking to replace. And then the only one exception to, to the rule is if you get a franchise quarterback. If you get a franchise quarterback and nothing else, you've had a fantastic draft. So to me, there's a couple teams that when you look at it right now, it looks pretty good. I mean, we'll see how it all works out. But in Minnesota, with those three picks that they had in the first round, I mean, Sharif Floyd to me was a top-five talent. I know teams had him in the top five. I know teams in the bottom of the round, which are usually the better teams, picking down there or or aggressively trying to move up to get him because he had somehow fallen down the board. Uh, But for Minnesota to get him, Xavier Rhodes, a big corner, and then Cordero Patterson, who was, uh, by the way, a PD scene top gun yet, a need for speed line. Do we know if he's he's up to date yet? Black tie, it's your responsibility to see Top Gun. Have you seen it yet? Not going to see it. It's okay. uh, oh, I'm not a Tom Cruise he fan. And I, I can't do it. He doesn't like Tom, Tom Cruise. Doesn't work as an actor for him. He said he does not. He doesn't no, buy believe, him in his roles. I don't buy those exactly. <laughs> he just plays Tom Cruise. That's it. All right, fine. But, but Patterson to me, you know, he's raw. He's a speed wideout, and he's going to the perfect team in Minnesota because you're going to see eight man boxes try and slow down Adrian Peterson, the two thousand yard rusher. He's going to see nothing but man coverage. And you can run simplistic routes. You can send him on go routes, post routes, let him get over the top, and it's going to be up to Ponder to get the ball out there. All right. Well, if you don't like to do the letter grade thing, and I understand why you don't, who is then, who is, I'm trying to think of how to couch this, as a, a, a current contender, a team entering the draft that you would regard as a possible contender that enhance their chances to make a run to New Jersey in February, or maybe somebody who was on the cusp, I don't know if they can get into the playoffs, and now they have uh, probably vaulted themselves into the playoff picture with uh, what they did in the draft. Well, I mean, St. Louis I mean, is very interesting. Because yes. They uh, they spent this offseason the same way Miami did, trying to build around their young quarterback, finally give them some help. And, and the fact that, that St. Louis was aggressive to go up and get Tavon Austin, who's going to be a nice weapon for Sam Bradford, uh, and then to get his teammate, Stedman Bailey. I mean, the guys combined to catch, you know, they each caught 114 balls. 
that mm-hmm. had West Virginia last year. Crazy numbers. So for them for them to do that, and then Ogletree is a very athletic linebacker. They got the first round. They got some linemen that aren't bad. A couple with the free agent additions they made. I think the Rams, who did very well in the division last year, I mean, they are ready to roll. I mean, it's up to Sam Bradford now. It's on his shoulders. Can he do it? But I think this team's ready to be a playoff team right now. I'd love to talk about this at length, and hopefully we can do it uh, at a later date. But just real quick, I've, I was surprised to hear a fair amount, I would say even 50-50 when it came up a bunch, uh, 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 when the question came up with a few analysts. Where do you stand on Sam Bradford? Do you think Sam Bradford is a guy, you know, a, a capable winner in the playoffs and so on? I think I think he can be. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I like him. I just feel like they've you know been negligent in surrounding him with help. Right. I mean, look at what everybody forgets. I mean, it's like that first year never happened. It was almost unanimous rookie of the year. I mean, the guy's played. He's put together some some, some good sprints of, of play. He just hasn't done it consistently. So if you give him more talent around and you give him better protection on the offensive line, and Stephen Jackson's a big name and he had a lot of good years, but he hasn't been the same guy the last couple of years. So I know he left, and people are talking about that. I don't think there's going to be much drop-off from the rotation that they'll have there with all those other backs. But now when you've got – you bring over Jared Cook and Kendricks, you've got two athletic tight ends. Um, You've got some young receivers already on the roster. Now you mix in these two guys. You bring in Jake Long. I mean, I just think they're doing a lot of things to help him, and their defense is already pretty darn good. So uh, this is a huge year for Sam Bradford. I, I believe he's got the talent to make it happen, and we'll find out at the end of this year if I'm right. I agree with you. I think you have three teams out of the NFC West uh, in 2013, the Seahawks and 49ers being the other two, of course, and the Cardinals are semi-interesting now with what they did. That division officially brutal. Let's go some fast action here as we wrap it up with you, DJ. Your thoughts on, first of all, what Cincinnati did. I love Tyler Eifert. He was my 10th rated player in the draft. So mm-hmm. to see him where they did. And go with the two tight end thing with him and Gresham with a quarterback that maybe doesn't have a strong arm. You give him two options down the hashes, the easier throws. I like it. Yeah, there's a there was a lot of uh, like people scratching their heads and wondering if Eifert is going to compete with Jermaine Gresham or something. But he's but like you said, they're going to run two tight ends, right? Like yeah, they, yeah, perfect. It's exactly what they're going to do. The Patriots have done well, obviously doing that. And look at Baltimore is going to do even more of it this year too with Dixon and Pitta if they both stay healthy. Let me uh, ask, can I ask about the Redskins? Because I was pretty interested in their seventh-round draft pick, uh, Jawan Jamison. Yeah. Like, he seems like a guy – Shanahan always seems to do pretty well with the running backs at the end of the draft. Is there any chance that this guy can start getting into the mix and that maybe well, they move away from giving the ball to Freddie Morris so much? Well, I mean, everybody – I mean, anybody that Shanahan drafts, Frank, if, if Shanahan would have signed you as an undrafted free agent, I promise you I would have picked you in the 11th round of my fantasy draft. Because, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter with Shanahan. Everybody rolls in there and is productive. That kid, I mean, I gave him a late draftable grade. He's a really, really little guy. I think he's like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, but he's a real quick change of pace guy. Kind of a four-man Stevens howling is what I thought of when I watched him. But shoot, with, with Shanahan, you never know. Um, all right, well, you, you say uh, Lerod Stevens howlings. That, that uh, makes me think of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me... Jarvis Jones is a need pick. It's interesting, by the way, that the Steelers seem philosophically to have gotten away from their long-standing thing of best player available. They were, it, it felt like they were drafting for need. What do you think? I thought Tyler Eifert was a more a more of a need pick than Jarvis Jones in that slot there. How say you? Well, I had a better grade on Eifert, or I should say I had a rank a little bit higher. But I, I had I had Jones, I think, as my 15th, 16th rated player. So I didn't think it was a reach at all where they took him. To me, it was fascinating. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to follow the careers of Mingo and Jarvis Jones because you got the Browns 
and you've got the Steelers, and you know this full well, Dave, everything the Steelers tend to do turns to gold, and the Browns, it goes in the other direction. So you've got two guys coming out of the same conference. One guy tested like a freak and doesn't have a lot of production. He goes to Cleveland. The other guy doesn't work out well at all in shorts, but all he does is lead the SEC in sacks. He goes to Pittsburgh. So it just kind of will be interesting to monitor to see how these two guys, how their careers take off. Because if you're just looking at how they played against the exact same competition, it would seem like the Steelers got the better of that one. Interesting. Um, what do you think about what the Jets did there and, for that matter, what the Eagles did? You're on the inside. When you bring in, as a personnel guy, you bring in a quarterback to compete and you have that uh, crossover in regimes that it's, you know, that one QB or some of those QBs are from the previous group and now you've got this new guy. What, I mean, how does this all shake out? Does it make sense to me? I would advocate dumping Mark Sanchez and moving on there. Same goes for Nick Foles. Is, are these guys going to be out on the uh, free agent market? Or are they going to be dealt at some point before training camp? Yeah, I mean, to me, it, this is the beginning of the end of the Mark Sanchez time. Sure. I don't know if they're going to, the money, how that shakes out, if they'll let him go. But, I mean, obviously, I have zero confidence there. The interesting thing to me, though, was if you look at this being a make or break year for Rex Ryan, which everybody says it is, uh, the, the negative for the Jets taking a quarterback in round one of this, of this draft would have been, you know, you bring, you go and trying to hire a new coach, and he's almost kind of married to a quarterback that he didn't draft. You don't like that. Well, you take him in the second round with Geno Smith, and if it works out, great. If not, and you make a coaching change, I mean, we saw Carolina take Jimmy Clausen in the second round, and they came back up and had a high pick. Obviously, they took Cam Newton. They are not going to be married to a second-round pick, and neither are the Jets. By the way, that's something else we got to talk about. I want to talk about Jimmy Clausen and Vince Young. In a, in, a, in a league where teams are desperate for quarterbacks, why isn't somebody taking a chance on one of these guys? And for that matter, like I say, Nick Foles, I'm surprised Ryan Mallett survives and is still with the Patriots. I'm surprised somebody didn't leverage uh, some draft picks to get that guy. That's a conversation for another time. Real quick, though, I'm just curious from a fantasy draft versus a real draft. Do NFL teams sort of say, we better get this guy in this round or he won't be there, but then they end up not drafting him, and then it turns out that that same player that they were going to reach on is still there the next round? Does that happen? Like, we do that in fantasy football. Every guy does that. And, oh, wow, I didn't think that guy would still be there, but there he is uh, the next round. Oh, we've had – oh, absolutely. I mean, we've had – I've been in draft rooms where we've had players, you know, neck and neck, and we've said, well – you know, we like this player maybe a little bit better, but, you know, I, this, there's, a, there's another player at that position we can be okay with in the next round. It's long, drawn-out discussion. You end up taking player A. You come around in the next round, and player B still there. It, it absolutely happens. Very interesting stuff. And, all right, we'll let you go then, DJ. You've been uh, toiling eight hours, I mean, uh, eight days a week now for uh, pretty much since uh, since the Ravens beat the 49ers there. And speaking of the 49ers, that whole NFC West is just unbelievable how great that's going to be. That's another subject for us to really break down. Last thing I have to say is I hope you feel good about yourself. DJ and I were both a part of Mike Mayock's uh, mock draft on the network uh, last week. And DJ, so demure, such a nice fellow. All of a sudden, when he's out there with the big shots, all of a sudden, who did he target? Dave Damashek. Of course he did. He attacked me I repeatedly. Like, I, I felt like everyone was Rick, attacking you, Rick. Dave. It was only the got, cool thing to do. He doesn't have to pile on, though, Black Tie. If Mayock and Charles Davis want to berate Damashek, that's their business. Why DJ's piling on, I don't know. DJ's one well, of the got, big I boys. Gotta t- I got to tell you guys this. My dad, my dad is 70, I want to say 72 years old. 
and he doesn't watch a, he doesn't watch a ton of NFL Network, but he did watch that show. And uh, and my own father called me and said, uh, you know, what is wrong with the man that's two seats over? I mean, I, he doesn't seem like he's very happy. I mean, is there what's going on in his life? There was some concern there. I said, Dad, you know, there's a, it's, it's a long conversation. There's a lot of issues there, but we're, you know, just keep working. I don't now. What what does he do? Does he apologize now that he's back on the air with us? No, he piles on even further. What's happened to you, Jeremiah? What happened hey, Dave, to you? Dave, I got I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I'll, 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 I'll make fun of myself here before I exit stage left. I got to tell you this great story. So before I go to the draft, right? You got to have all these. You got to dress up for this TV stuff. You got to mm-hmm. have suits every day. So right. I go to the dry cleaner on a Thursday, and I take all my suits in there. You know. Can I get these suits dry cleaned? And the guy goes, "No problem." Is Monday pickup okay? And I said, "Well, you know, I don't want I don't want to have to play the card, but I got to get these suits before I leave." So I said, "You know what, uh, sir? I'm a I actually have to go to New York for some TV stuff on Sunday. Is there any way you could could rush them and, and get them done by Saturday?" And the guy looked at me and he said, "All right, I'll make a deal with you. No problem. But when you get back from New York, can you come over to my house and fix my TV?" thank goodness i like you getting your comeuppance (laughs) keeping your feet on the ground for one more day at least jeremiah before you ascend to the heavens and fancy parties with uh, michael irvin and rich eisen and mike mayock and all those people all right listen daniel jeremiah at move the sticks we're big fans of yours even though you you treat us like we're a gum on your shoe now now a delightful fella great work at the draft and everything leading up to it we look forward to kibitzing with you soon now go enjoy some time with uh, those long lost people called your your family there all right nothing but love boys have a good one <laughs> there he goes the great daniel jeremiah all right, Rank, let's talk about our respective trips to New York City. You did gangbusters work on Fan Pass the whole time in Radio City and beyond there. What are your recollect- uh, recollections? How did you find the big city? I enjoyed New York did City. Did you? I did. I did enjoy the fact that I didn't have to get into a car for about eight days. It is. Gr- you know what I love about New York is, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I have the same sort of thoughts as everybody else. The energy on the streets is exciting. The scale when you're walking around, the size of the buildings surrounding you, apparently that go on forever when you're standing in the middle of it. All that's great. But you know what it is that's great that I love that is the essential requirement that you are constantly interacting with people. I love that. Right. Every cab you get into, every cabbie has an interesting yarn to spin. You know, everybody behind every counter you deal with, you don't have those interactions on an ongoing basis that way in a place like L.A. That's very true. And one of the things that struck me, too, is uh, we are very close to Central Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was able to go. That, that, that place is so huge. And the only thing I could think of was if this was California, this whole park would have been paved over by now. Uh, but, you know, that's the other side. I defend L.A., though. That's not true. L.A. is glorious. The, the, the fact when you're driving in Los Angeles and they're rolling green hills and everything else, it's quite lovely here. Periodically. They're pl- no, no I, there's, I live- they're, they're the canyons where people hike up and down. There's no indication that, there's, that, that you're in the middle of a metropolis. I live in Huntington Beach, and we had to fight tooth and nail to save our wetlands, that they were just going to pave over. Put up a bunch of, you know, put more houses and everything else. I just, I, I, I fear the worst. I just can't, all that valuable real estate, like a lot of the the valuable, you're talking about the hills and everything, just not suitable to build right now. But believe me, when they get a chance to do it, they will. 
Oh, don't be cynical. All right. Listen, you know what I did on the return flight home? I watched a good movie. Here's a, here's Dave's movie recommendation of the week. No. Looper. No. I go the other way. What do you mean? I watched it. You came by my seat, and we yeah. had two hours left. You said you should watch this Looper, so I did. Yeah. It it was fantastic. It took a weird turn. It was I, over your head, maybe. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Um, I, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen a movie that's come out in the last, you know, six years. Uh, I knew... Right when I mean, it do started. You guys, do you guys want to play the game? Oh, uh, wow. No, there's no way well, he's there, seen this movie. There's no way he brings it up unless he's seen the movie. Oh, that's so, a good point. All right, yeah, Black Tie. Let's, all right, let's play the game. This is one of, I this, say, I say this no. is one of the best I game still... shows. This is one of the best game shows going because it's very hard to lose. Has Black Tie seen it? And Black Tie has seen 99.9% uh, or has not seen 99.9% of movies that every human being should have seen, like The Godfather and Star Wars and so on. Indiana Pretty Jones. much every movie before the 80s. I'm going with, so you say no, he hasn't seen it. I, I think he tipped his hand. He would never bring it up to embarrass himself like that. He's seen Looper. All right, Black Tie, lay it on us. Well, guys, uh, I have seen this one. Yeah, Big, course, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. <laughs> so definitely, I saw it last year. What do you think? The, one of the better movies I've seen in, yeah. uh, in a little while. It has a little twist to it, but there's a lot of, you know, the whole time travel thing. Still a lot of uh, paradoxes that you have to deal with. But it was fun. I did, I did like how they covered up the loopholes. When every time that, that Bruce Willis is uh, interact or first well, let's just say it's 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 one of those gritty sci-fi pictures. It's yeah. futuristic, but it's not guys in spacesuits and, yeah. and 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 the like. It's you know it's you know post sort of uh, it, you know the our better days are behind us as a society. And and I did like I did like that Joe. Go- I couldn't help but be impressed by Joe Gordon Levitt. Levitt. Leave it. What's that? Is that his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah Levitt. Yeah, he's great. His Looking Im- like Bruce J. Willis. J.G. Hill, let the kids say. Yes. He Im- has to kill the premises is that he's an assassin for the mob, and he has to kill his future self. Mm-hmm. I know it's confusing. If you watch the movie, it makes sense. And he he does an impersonation of Bruce Willis throughout the whole picture, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's- he was great. I just didn't like the right turn that the movie took. And I knew... I knew the moment that they showed like certain people had the levitation powers. You're like, oh, criminy. This is going to go a bad way. And it does. It takes a dusk till dawn, like, right turn. Like, hey, this is a great movie. And then, oh, well, I don't even know what. I, I honestly do not, having watched the picture, I don't know what even what you're referring to. I thought it was consistent and it was strong. No, and it, it, it goes it, off the rails. You're like, I oh. disagree. All it right. becomes hey, about it, this it stays kid. Strong. It stays strong. Yeah, it becomes like the kid oh. almost becomes like a Voldemort. They talk about the kid right from the beginning. All right. Let's not do a movie review for a, probably a movie that's a little it under the radar It does take a turn, but it was a good turn. But Everybody yeah. within the sound of my voice, go see it, and then we'll have a a discussion about it on a later date. Look who's coming through the door right now, though. One of our fellow travelers, he's somebody who traveled one uh, long ago across the Atlantic Ocean to join us here in the U.S. of A. to support our brand of football, specifically the Miami Dolphins. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Hello, handsome. Welcome back. 
Thank you, Dave. It's exciting to be here again. Yeah, we had a great time. We huh? had a fun time in New York. I enjoy that city. It's a yeah. good place. We had uh, Handsome Hank, as uh, as I believe I've mentioned here on the podcast, are in the midst of a, an ongoing culinary tour around these United States. I hope we can take it overseas, at least to London, to watch the Vikings and Steelers play this autumn. In the meantime... We've uh, first we went to a great restaurant in New Orleans. We we went to several. I believe, yeah, and I think we went to probably two or three together. Yeah, but the one in particular oh, really yeah. stood out. It was one of the ten best. Coquette. Coquette. Yeah, coquette. Co- coquette. Yeah, coquette. it was one of the best meals. Uh, one of the ten best meals of my life. Then we went to the Salt Lick, thirty miles outside of Austin, Texas. Glorious barbecue. Really wonderful stuff. I talked about it with, uh, in fact, with uh, Giants cornerback Aaron Ross, and he vouched for it. From a guy, the University of yeah, Texas. Yes, a guy who is from Austin, Texas, and he knows his barbecue. Born and raised and runs back there as soon as the football season ends. He abandons the Big Apple in favor of Austin, Texas, and he said, yes, best barbecue in town. So uh, I felt validated there. I will take his word for it on Texas barbecue, but apparently on pizza, not so much. Yeah, you talked to him. What did he tell you about New York pizza? <laughs> He, he first of all, he poked fun at me for he, I asked him where he goes for pizza. And he said, you shouldn't worry about pizza. I heard you had a weight problem at one point. <laughs> the words out. Shame on you for that. <laughs> and then I go, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I like, you know, I'm from, you know, I, I'm, I'm not from here. I, I just dial up Domino's. Oh, and I kicked him out of the SNY studios. You can look that up on NFL.com slash Good for you. You have to have your standards, yes. yes. Um, so then uh, – so, so, and then in New York City, we made our way to a place called Quality Meats. And, boy, it lived up to its name, it, didn't you it? Know, that's the, you know, you go to restaurants around the world. They're called stuff like bubble gum or, or who knows, you know, anything. Bubble Quality, gum? I don't know. I just made up a bad restaurant name. Yeah, that was a, Qu- a Quality bad, uh, Meats. Quality meats. Did yes. exactly what it said on the door. It was really, and, and it was, they gave us, uh, you know, we all got the uh, rib steak, yep. the so-called rib steak. If you pay visit there, uh, you know, drop the name Damashek and, and then order yourself a, a rib steak. <laughs> but it did come with a Flintstone-styled bone. I mean, a massive bone yeah. that once you cleared off all the meat or most of the meat, then if you if you know what you're doing, you pick up that bone and you clean it you good. It. I think I may have a picture. Black Tide, can we, can we put it on, yeah, on, I think we on should the do blog? That. Yeah, we'll do I've that. I've got a picture of Dave holding said bone and gnawing away at it. All right. Now let's have a conversation about where do we go here from here? Do we go Tim Tebow? I just don't nope. care that much about Tim Tebow. I'd rather talk about Jason Collins. It's, of course, a story that is eventually going to probably sooner rather than later now that Jason Collins has come out. Um, of course, everybody's buzzing about it on uh, on every media platform there is. Um, and I think it's a matter of time now. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if before the the start of next season we find out at least one NFL player or an NFL player will come out of the closet. Guys like Chris Cluey and our pal Brendan Ayambendejo have done a good thing. They're modern-day Pee Wee Reese's, you see. They create an atmosphere where it's okay, an environment where, it will, where, where you will not be an outcast if you do this now. It should be pointed out that the likes of Mike Wallace, I feel like that's more of a joke. You know, I I am I, I don't want to get up on Mount Pius and make every I, I don't want to make everybody on the same level if you make a crack versus take some sort of I, I find it more offensive the people who are using their religion to 
say that to, to, to denounce on some level Jason Collins or or the idea of a gay man being in a in a locker room. I think Mike Wallace is probably in uh, sort of in the same place as Chris Culliver in a way. I think they overstepped their bounds, and they probably immediately regret having said those things. I don't know how true it is in their heart what they said. The religious stuff, though, is the thing that I find sort of offensive, because it, it because the implication is that when they say, hey, I'm allowed to have my opinion, yeah, you can have your opinion. I think it's wrong-headed, and I think it's backwards, and I think it's uh, foolish. But beyond all that, just as you're allowed to, I mean, uh, the the the... the hypocrisy of people citing their religion and that what they believe in as a, a reason why they do not think that it's acceptable for a, a gay man to be uh, to, to publicly announce that he's gay and to be in the locker room and all that sort of thing is the height of hypocrisy. What if you weren't allowed to practice your religion? Oh, yeah, you live in the United States of America. Yeah, you're allowed to practice your religion. Guess what? Being gay isn't a choice beyond that. And even if it were, it would be allowable for people to announce that they're gay, even if you want to go in that angle. But it's, I mean, it's a ludicrous opinion, of course. It is who Jason Collins is. And it's closed-minded, and it's backwards, and it's and it's offensive, really, to cite religious beliefs. I think in the 21st century, as a reason to to denounce it. And the idea I'm offended, what I'm offended by, isn't so much the individual who says these things. It's that we live in a society where people are so politically correct that we have to entertain these thoughts as though they're valid. It's a valid stance to take. I find that offensive that we have to hear from the Chris Broussards of ESPN and say like, well, he's entitled to his opinion. Yeah, it's a stupid opinion. And in fact, I've said before, I'll say it again. I think I, I, I'm surprised that Mike Wallace as as micromanaged as these players are, Chris Culliver and anybody else, isn't so as you know from a PR standpoint, and their agents, and then the team, and then the leagues. I can't believe that these guys would go on Twitter and say dumb things, or go in front of a microphone and say anything that even approaches offensive language. I can't imagine that that happens, but. And, and I know the league and the teams are incented to not allow that kind of talk, and they don't want they 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 do want to keep that uh, a lid on that kind of stuff. I say, let whoever wants to denounce homosexuality do it in the 21st century, because you're burying yourself. Uh, expose yourself. You're the one. Ironically, just as you think that uh, the gay guy is the one who is some sort of a pariah. You're the one who positions yourself as a pariah when you start talking about that. Uh, my religion says that this is the case, and and you try and support that argument is is laughable on some level, ludicrous certainly. Handsome Hank, what do you say? Well, I, putting aside the fact that you know these guys are elite athletes, every NFL locker room is a microcosm of society, and in there, there's going to be the guy who thinks it's who has crazy religious beliefs. There's going to be the guy who thinks it's perfectly acceptable and there's going to be everything in between and um i don't think we should be surprised that you see that range of of reaction to to a player coming out if that does happen in the nfl or or in any other sport i i, I think it's just that is what society is and people I, I totally understand your point that people um are going to have crazy reactions to it but again that's they they do look, make themselves look foolish doing it 
And so when Chris Culliver did it, and then a bunch of 49ers players during Super Bowl week said, no, we, that this isn't us, this is just him being dumb, um, that's exactly the reaction that, that those players should have. And I'm sure the Dolphins players, as many Dolphins players who saw Mike Wallace's tweet yesterday, and I accept perhaps it was meant as a joke, or maybe it wasn't, but as many of them were like rolling their eyes thinking... Why have we got this guy who's coming out with these dumb comments um, about something? You know, and especially you, even if he was trying to be funny, don't try to be funny on on. Uh, That's that exactly moment. right. That wasn't the moment to do it. If you want to do it a week later and and the heat's not on, it's still going to be a dumb comment. But at least it's not a dumb comment at the worst possible time. Yes, you really do. Right, that, I was on uh, Adam Carolla's podcast uh, again. Um, on Monday night, and uh, that's exactly the point he made. Listen, you're not deft enough a comic to turn right. a clever <laughs> phrase and, and really get the nuance yes. uh, of it. Leave that to a professional comedian. Don't don't you try it, Mike Wallace of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Rank. Well, you mentioned Pee Wee Reese when you were when you started here, and it, it's funny because in the movie Forty Two, you look at it and you watch the way the the players who weren't welcoming to Jackie Robinson. And you look at it and you think, how did people behave like this? How did really? How did pe- people have this opinion that we shouldn't allow African Americans into baseball or people of color into, into baseball and that it, it should be segregated? And people at that time believed it. And I'm sure a lot of the people who felt that way used the Bible to defend themselves of, you know, this being, oh, it's my religious beliefs. Why can't I believe how I believe? I believe that they have their own separate league and we have our separate league. And we look at it today and you think, those those people were barbaric. Like, how, how do they even think of that? Likewise, I feel that our grandchildren will someday look back at this era and how we've treated homosexuality and been, and they will question us. Be like, how did, how did this go on in society? You mean there was a time... When homosexuals could not get married, they could not do that. And I don't know how I will defend myself to that, to my grandchildren about, yeah, that's just the way the time was. And I feel that, you know, there is going to be a time we will look back at that. Right. History will not remember that well. Just like, uh, yeah, exactly. Those people in the 60s in the Deep South or, in fact, anywhere in the U.S. who were for segregation, right, they now stand out as uh, being on the wrong side of history. Not that that will spook anybody away from from their opinion currently, but it it, it is a valid point you make there that uh, that. I guess I do. So I, I have pointed out in the past because, like we talk about with Tim Tebow, it's interesting that these two things would come up at the same time. And by the way, it should be noted: Tim Tebow, as devout a Christian as he is, did back out of that thing a couple of. You remember he backed out of that speech because of the hate speech that that uh, institution was spewing, and he backed out and he got a fair amount of heat from uh, from the um, fund, uh, from a, a sect of the fundamental uh, fundamentalist Christians. I don't love the the going down to one knee the so called T-bowing and all that stuff. I don't love when it it the, the rhetoric goes like something along the lines of hey every hey, he may not be a great football player, but every parent in society would love for their daughter to bring home a guy like Tim Tebow. Well, not really, not if you're an atheist or not if you're Jewish or Muslim, then you probably wouldn't want uh you probably wouldn't want them to bring home Tim Tebow. The idea that your way is always the right way, and therefore you should browbeat everybody. You know, again, it's your right to practice whatever religion you want. And it's your choice, it's by not, the way. And, but, right. And again, choice versus it's who not, you are not, intrinsically. But, but, but either way, even if it is a choice, it's your choice. You can do whatever you want. I'd rather you not shove it down my throat, but... Either way, it's your choice to do it. It doesn't affect my life, really, what your religion is. Guess what? 
it's Jason Collins' choice to do whatever he wants. It doesn't affect you. For you to browbeat him into what you think and to constantly bring that is... is it's not you know. his choice. He's born that way. I agree, but the point is that you think that, that it's your right as a Christian to, to then try to dictate how everybody else needs to lead their life is offensive to me. All right. Well, you know what? We better wrap it up here. Too bad it was uh, a, such a serious way to wrap it up, though. Right. We do have a land of the fox, though, that we want to get to. Right? I think we Apropos of nothing. We'll save that for the next episode. We still also, have to catch up with uh, the Around the League boys. We have a lot to talk about. Hanzus's first brush with fame. Yeah. <laughs> for one of them. we got to get uh, Dan Hanzus in here to <laughs> recollect about that. I wish he could have told that story about the English guys you, you ran into on the street. I yep. know. I want to talk about the Englishman, and yes, we have so we have more to yap about, of course, and uh, and you know we want to talk some NHL hockey as the playoffs are underway. Go Shop Pittsburgh Penguins! Oh yeah, we got to talk one hundred and we, and Black Tiger shout out. All right, so we have a lot to do. We have to do at least one yep. more podcast this week. Handsome Hank, lock it in. Definitely, we're going to do at least one more podcast. All Terrific! Right. Oh wow, Terrific. that's wonderful. Can that's I come wonderful. back for that one? Am I allowed back in? We'd like that very much. Thank We'd like nothing more there. All right, uh, handsome Hank. Uh, sorry, brief uh, brief visit, and we have, like I say, we have a lot to kibitz about. So we'll talk to you later in the week and the around the league boys. All right. I, that would be wonderful. Get right. some quality meat in the meantime. Oh, I'd love it. Um, and rank, of course, all the fan pass stuff is still up there on NFL.com. And uh, and same thing for me. You can check out my stuff, NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. We'll be back with more hooey and applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.